0: Everybody, John Pollock, and Wei Ting with you on a Friday afternoon following New Japan's A Block final. Their first of three straight nights at Sumo Hall. I am joined by the 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 A Block of of this uh, tandem, Wei Ting.
1: The A Block of the tandem. Okay, um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say that myself. But um, does that mean I'm ending today? Oh no.
0: No, that means that you are maybe the favorite going into uh Sunday mm, okay all right we 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 can, we can we can discuss
1: hey, this is a free show, isn't it?
0: Oh, yeah, it's free. Hi, everyone. We've been doing these for a month. This is
1: our seventeenth show it's 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 been a bit of a morning routine for John and I waking up in the morning watching a bit of wrestling, maybe having some coffee, and then ta- <laughs> some <laughs> a some. lot of coffee, and then uh talking about it. In the afternoon, so yeah, it's we've been doing a whole month of this, and we're pretty much towards the end, but I would say at the start of perhaps the most important weekend um, in the tournament, of course.
0: Yeah, so uh, I do want to encourage anyone out there that if you do want to jump aboard the post-wrestling cafe, you not only get a chance to catch up on all the G1 shows this weekend, but we have a lot of cool stuff coming up uh, over the next number of weeks post G1. We're going to have uh, Ask Away next week. We're going to be continuing our Rocky series with Rocky four, with the most iconic uh, phrase ever uttered by a representative of the Soviet Union on film. And then we've got King of the Ring 95. And we have lots of stuff. There's going to be... Uh, gonna be a lot of uh stuff coming up over the next month and maybe you never know what'll drop on the cafe
1: rewind of smackdown live uh Remi- rewind of smackdown taped even uh so the, se- the season premiere taking place tonight of course so you have access to all of that as well as the b block final show tomorrow as well as the g1 final on sunday so still a bunch of bonus content as well as access to the entire archive at post wrestling com.
0: six dollars gets you in the door all of those shows In addition to access to our entire archive with a strong 72 Rewind Aways, including the Survivor Series 2002 that we have now dubbed Saliva Series.
1: Saliva Series. I love it. I I really enjoyed that review. Like, 2002 is an era I look back very fondly on, and this is a show I really enjoyed. So I, I, I know a lot of people are probably, like, you know, overwhelmed with a lot of stuff that's out there right now. And unfortunately, things like Rewind Away, I feel like kind of get lost in the shuffle. But uh, if you do have time, I do encourage you to go back and, and check that out. It was a show I, I, I was pretty proud of.
0: Yes, yes. And now we get back to this rigorous schedule. But I know what everyone's thinking out there of all this content when they think about me and Way, the A and the B block. One of us you love, one of us you hate, but you can't you can't live without us. Always. I don't know about that.
1: Is that is that what always is that the those saliva song.
0: I was I, I was trying. I was butchering the saliva lyrics, which takes some uh, ability
1: to be able to do. Uh, I only know the chorus, but um, uh, that's a uh, that's cool. You know the rest of the song. I didn't know. Well, those are the only words I know from that particular song. Hey, at the end of all this, uh, we will give out our top tens, aren't we? That's right. I have ranked every
0: single match. I'm not going to do the Chris Jericho list of all the G1 matches, but I will go through uh, my top 10. We'll get Way's top 10. And then, um, you know what? We should just put it out there to everyone else because then people could just respond saying, yep, exactly. I agree. Nailed this it. This exact order of <laughs> matches.
1: Uh, it's it's almost a complete impossibility. I mean I wonder how many people would even have the same top three. Um so we'll see. But yeah, please respond with if you don't have a top ten at least maybe a top five in the comments uh for this podcast.
0: I want all disagreements sent to me. Please. All of them. I want every last one. Oh
1: my god. Somebody exposed himself.
0: I'm up for some negative comments, so throw them our way.
1: Well, what good are ratings? What good are lists if not to encourage discussion and disagreement?
0: Yeah, so have everyone yell at each other. That's what the purpose of the internet is for. But we did not have uh, any yelling, but we did have uh, a symphony of English commentary on this particular show with Kevin Kelly, Rocky Romero, and Chris Charlton, who, I mean, have been doing these shows, but... I would imagine for most, uh, if you've been keeping up to it on a, on a daily basis, uh, not being able to catch much of the English commentary this year because they have been delayed. Uh, but today they did do live English commentary as they are expected to do all weekend.
1: Has it been the team of three for, for the English commentary or has it just been? I, I can't Kelly?
0: say if that's been on all of the shows. I, I've. I have sampled very little, so I don't know if it's been a mixture of Kevin Kelly with uh, rotation or if it's been the three at different points. But I'm assuming we're getting the three all weekend.
1: Well, for you and I who have to watch these shows, you know, pretty, pretty close to them being live so that we can do these podcasts. I mean, I've been very underexposed to uh, any of the English commentary throughout. And we should mention the last time we really spoke about it, um, we commented on perhaps like the very lengthy delay Between, you know, the Japanese commentary and the shows being live to uh whoever the English commentators are putting them up there. I mean, in some cases they'd be like delayed by, you know, multiple days. Uh but that seemed to increase uh the the the, the length seemed to decrease as the time went along and they got speedier with it, I'd noticed. But today, uh getting to enjoy it live, I preferred English commentary like i i had the option of course to watch japanese but if given the choice i definitely wanted to sample the english commentary and in particular like i've really missed this team of rocky chris and kevin kelly who i haven't really heard together in quite some time and what did you think overall of just having uh english and and and, and what they added
0: um they obviously add um a a lot of context and i i always loved like chris's like um diving into historical references to apply to like the modern scenarios that we're watching um it's not like make or break for me like i'm fine with the japanese commentary but i'll say like i i think that it was a real miss this year the fact that they didn't have this all sorted out ahead of time and the fact you know today we had I guess at the beginning you could hear, like, some minor audio problems on Chris's end. It was, like, very – it was, like, overmodulated at times, but very minimal. I mean, it's not going to uh, deter you from listening to the English commentary. But, um, yeah, it was going to be more difficult this year than having everyone there in Japan. But I still feel that uh, a solution should have been worked out to be able to have this option throughout the the tournament. Like, that's where this G1, it's it's your peak month – to to bring on new subscribers and and i think having that english commentary that is very beneficial for some of your new subscribers
1: you know in terms of like the added costs involved with like doing something like this i really can't imagine that it would be so much that new japan would be like so unwilling to to do it because you're doing everything over the internet um and you know at most i would imagine it might require a couple extra techs and I don't know. I'm just I'm, I'm kind of perplexed that they didn't uh, decide to do it throughout the entire tournament because I completely agree. I think with with something like this, um, it's a chance to grab a lot more casuals. And without it, um, I would say like English commentary, especially for a tournament like this, where so much is kind of told in the in-ring storytelling. If you're not watching the behind the scenes or backstage interviews or listening to podcasts, it can be rather inaccessible i would say to a new fan maybe even you know for uh, like viewers who just tune in occasionally to new japan pro wrestling navigating some of it is already a bit daunting and i think having english commentary makes a big difference but um i will say like there were times where, where it felt a little bit weird because i'd kind of gotten used to like just listening to essentially ambient noise you know with the japanese commentary and kind of creating my own interpretations of like what's been going on and to have now suddenly like three voices like above that instinct I've kind of built up in a way almost like made me less engaged because like I was able to kind of relax and just like absorb what they were telling me rather than perhaps like coming up with it focusing and kind of coming up with some of these interpretations myself. So there there are definitely like benefits and disadvantages to both experiences. And I, I would say, you know, there's really no right or wrong option. I know there are plenty of English speaking fans who prefer Japanese commentary, uh, but to have the option, I think, is important.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, I mean, based on the Jingu Stadium show and today, I mean, doing it live, it's not like there were any disasters. They didn't run into any tech problems. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, you know, uh, yeah, I, 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 it's good, at least for the last weekend, that they have this uh, in place. So our Young Lion match, where we are now down to, uh, you know, figuring out the winner of this unofficial C-Block, is... Uh, Yota Suji taking on uh, Gabriel Kidd, and going into this, we had uh, Suji with twelve points, Yuimura with eleven, and Gabriel Kidd with nine. So Suji immediately attacks, and he lands the splash up the ropes. He's going for repeated covers. He just wants to be in and out and end this thing. He is done with these guys. Suji wins the battle of vertical suplexes, hit the running senton, uh, but. It's caught with a roll up from Kid. Kid then lands his drop kick and goes for the butterfly suplex. It's countered and he yells "La Dojo!" and Suji says "Fuck you" and spears him. <laughs> Boston Crab, giant swing, back to the Boston Crab, cranks back. 6 minutes 54 seconds. Gabriel Kid taps out and the announcers are kind of caught off guard that oh okay, that really takes the air out of tomorrow's match because this is wrapped up. Yoda Suji is the winner? He's got fourteen points, and the best Yuemura can do is get to thirteen. Uh, while Kid, all he can do is tie Yuemura with a win tomorrow. Uh, with all of them having twelve matches at the end of this gauntlet,
1: it's certainly rather odd booking if you expect you know this 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 little kind of mini tournament to build up to an actual peak. The fact that I mean it just kind of ended like this kind of tells me that the booking didn't pay all that much attention to the point status of this. An official c block um i don't exactly know how they were kind of like throwing out the different wins but it certainly didn't lead itself to like any sort of climax you know
0: or at least uh off by a day um yeah i mean it it, it is what it is um even the match I,
1: itself I, like the finish was just like
0: this wasn't explain. one of the spectacular ones yeah this was one of the shortest that they did um Yeah, there was, you know, they kind of positioned like, you know, of these three and based on, you know, him getting the most wins that Yotosuji is the most prepared to go forward. And maybe two years from now, he'll be interfering in a G1 match uh, with a ridiculous name.
1: Oh, I think it's to be expected. What what hair color should he have? Or what What if he gets a haircut?
0: What if he gets a suit, cane and a bowler hat
1: and he is Mr. Suji? Um, Oh, there could be worse ideas, that's for sure. Oh, there have been worse ideas,
0: but that one's pretty bad. Jeff Cobb, Yujiro, is our first A-block match of the show. So Jeff Cobb is 4-4, and looking to get double digits to finish off his G1. Yujiro, who has been pointless the entire tournament, is looking for two points. Just anything that can put him, like, uh, a level above garbage. That's his motivation for this final night. They are breaking down all the different scenarios for tonight. And based on their uh, tabulations here, Will Ospreay, I think they contacted 538 to do an analysis of this a block. Will Osprey has a 5% chance to win the block. But part of the equation for him to win requires that Yujiro win this match against Jeff Cobb. Because if we had a four-way tie, then it breaks down into the next tiebreaker, which is the records of the four that are tied. So it's very complex. And whenever you feel, wow, that's really complicated, that scenario is not happening. But it's it's fun to make your, your brain work to figure out all the potential outcomes.
1: And and it was worth mentioning just to kind of add a, a, a little bit of stake – to to this match as well as you know of course what would happen with the will osprey match later on too so um i i i you know it's it's element like elements like these it's like you know the announcers mentioning like what's been going on with uh jay white and yujiro and evil uh and the whole dissent between the bull club that i think like having that english commentary there uh, is, is really important because if you again if you're not watching in the post-match interviews or listening to podcasts or reading you know articles about it online you'd probably be unaware of a lot of these things
0: vince we've got this great idea for a tournament okay let's break down the math for all of it Jeez, what the
1: fuck it's not happening are you kidding me
0: <laughs> inverted ddt is delivered by yujiro on the floor so yujiro's in control At the beginning, it's pretty slow with him having the advantage. Cobb would come back with a belly-to-belly and then lifts him up for that spinning gut wrench, but the hand gets bitten by Yujiro. Yujiro is pulled out of the corner into a spin cycle. There's a standing uh, moonsault. Tour of the Islands is blocked. And then Yujiro uses referee Kentisano as a shield and attacks Jeff Cobb using his walking stick that they bring up. Yujiro has not gone to the walking stick all tournament long. Which, I mean, this guy needed some assistance along the way. It's a little too little too late. He hits the intercollege slam, a Miami shine, and then the pimp juice. And the pimp juice keeps Jeff Cobb down. 10 minutes, 32 seconds. Yujiro finally has a point at the end of this whole thing. In fact, he got two of them. And Jeff Cobb leaves with eight points and a losing record at the end of this. But Will Ospreay technically still alive based on this result.
1: It was a moral victory for Yujiro, and and I guess one that affected Will Ospreay later on. Um, and I'm, I am I do wonder if that's why they booked it, you know, like for Will Ospreay's sake, or if it was just to throw a bone to Yujiro. I personally think it would have been more valuable for Cobb to reach 10 points, because I think like a loss like this to Yujiro, the shittiest guy in the entire tournament, to me kind of took the edge off of Cobb's very significant wins over guys like Will Ospreay previously. This
0: always happens on the on the last day. It's like you have results like this, where it makes it's just to pacify one person in the in the tournament, and it's like one of your one of your big guys has to just you know slip on a banana peel and lose. That's what this was. I didn't think there was any more drama for Okada Osprey with no. this huge win. Um, I, I'm with you. I thought the Cobb losing this, and in, in by heel standards, relatively clean fashion. Like he mm-hmm. just lost to. You know, the Miami shine and the pimp juice.
1: Ultimately, I mean, you know, however much of it gets remembered will be dependent on, like, how how much follow-up they give to it. Um, so, in the end, it's like, it's whatever. Like, nobody's really hurt or, like, nobody really gains anything off of a, a match like this. But um, I also have to say, like, it, it was kind of hard for me to give a shit about this one just because it wasn't particularly exciting or good. There wasn't really a whole lot at stake. Like, the same Eudro slow offense. Nothing really exciting from Cobb in this one either. So... I I just gave it medium and a sugar just to be nice because I was ready to move on to the important stuff.
0: Yeah, I I went medium with a milk uh, to start off the day because there was going to be a lot more to come. This was definitely the weakest match on the show. Shingo Takagi against Minoru Suzuki, a rematch from that great outing they had back in August and both men with identical three and five records. So this one had no stakes attached to it other than it's... The rematch between the two, and you do have Suzuki as the never openweight champion winning that title from Takagi.
1: And and just for an undercard match, like, I'm happy to take this any day, you know? Some oh, yeah, this was,
0: you know, for the last night of the tournament, this was one of the matches that, cool, you get this on the final day. So mm. they come out of the gate immediately striking, and Suzuki attacks Takagi's right arm. And this guy did a masterful job selling this arm for the duration of the match. Uh, Suzuki is wrapping it around the middle rope. The man is just, uh, he has the, just the look of pure exhilaration at the pain he is inflicting on Shingo Takagi. Just uh, the orgasmic look at the idea that this man won't be able to brush his teeth with this arm. You ever tried brushing your teeth with like your
1: non-dominant arm? I've never ever tried that. Um, I don't know why I ever would, Um, but I, I imagine it would be quite the challenge and quite the messy ordeal.
0: Well, think about it. you. I've I've heard that you have. I have tried it because I was hearing about you know if you use your dominant arm all the time, you can like you can like affect your gums just by applying too much pressure. It's and you true. actually sometimes yeah. should use your non-dominant arm. So I've tried it now, and it's a it's a world of difference. Like it just feels weird.
1: Oh yeah, I, I could imagine. Um, I I actually have that issue. Like I have like a receding gum line because I'm I've been using too much force, and it's only on that one side. So, electric I, toothbrush? Yeah, I uh, I've never I have one, I just don't really like it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like I can't really Anyway, I should. You're right, I should. I got a dentist. This was
0: not this was not the discussion I expected to have during Takagi and Suzuki, but it just came to me. Try it, seriously. It's uh okay. it, it's recommended. Uh and if it doesn't work, uh then don't blame me. <laughs> I'm not a dentist. I'm not Britt baker. So, then uh Suzuki goes to apply the rear naked choke, but the gotch gets countered with a Death Valley driver. Suzuki kicks away at the arm. He goes to the Fujiwara arm bar with Chris Charlton noting uh, Fujiwara's influence. Takagi stops another attempt at the gotch pile driver and Suzuki will not go down. He summons his power and Takagi then walks right into into a slap. Then takagi is able to get his wits about him and he lands his own right shot that drops suzuki out of nowhere and just like that hits last of the dragon and he wins the match in 12 and a half minutes and suzuki literally gets the last laugh with the maniacal smile on his face as he leaves he holds the never title by his goddamn teeth which i as a non-dentist i can recommend do not do that uh just fantastic um This was – I'm talking about Suzuki. I don't think their match approached the level of the Jingu Stadium one, but it was still to me a uh, solid, large, one milk, one sugar uh, outing from these two. And a a tease of maybe they go and revisit this one as early as November for uh, a never uh, rematch.
1: I would think so. I mean, that seems to make. He was sense.
0: very much alluding and pointing to the title to Takagi, like they were putting a big spotlight on the championship, which uh, Suzuki is not done with all of his opponents.
1: Yeah, yeah, I went large, one cream, one sugar, one sleeve. It was just kind of below XL ter- territory. Probably would have reached it had it not been for perhaps the rather kind of abrupt and anticlimactic finish here, with just a yeah, not much of a build up to that last of the dragon. Um, it, in fact, I would say maybe the closing stretch somehow lost actually a bit of energy rather than built. But overall, like I really enjoyed the opening portions of this match. Um, both men have had really strong G1s. And with Shingo, I think it's almost expected at this point. I would say it is for Suzuki as well. But again, like at his age, like being talked about, in my opinion at least, as one of the standout performers of this entire tournament, amongst like one of the most competitive blocks that I think we've seen in a long time, like it's definitely that much more impressive of a feat to me like he might not be the mvp of this g1 but he's still maybe my personal favorite to watch just in terms of technique in terms of intensity and in terms of like that very kind of like unique you know um like anime villain charisma is just i'm i'm astounded at at how he he looked in this tournament
0: I think he comes out of the G one and I'm not saying he's the favorite to win it, but he at least has a wrestler of the year campaign behind mm-hmm. him this year. Yeah. That, you know, he'll be in that conversation. Not saying he's going to win it, but I think come the end of the year, when you process all he's done in the last twelve months, this has been an extraordinary year for Minoru Suzuki, and that's that's amazing.
1: Yeah. How old is he right now?
0: Fifty three. Oh, off the amazing. top of my head.
1: That's incredible.
0: Wow. Like that's uh for a guy that you know was not even 52 years old so off by a year so
1: oh spring um, chicken then
0: yeah i mean jesus what what were we giving all these accolades for what 52 year old could not do this this month long g1 uh so yeah uh, very good match from from the two but i would say um below greatness of the mm-hmm. g1 then we go to, I would say, the first real big match of the day, and that is Kazuchika Okada and Will Ospreay with direct uh, impact on the block uh, point standings and who would be advancing to Sunday. So Okada has 12 points, Will Ospreay with 10 points. It's must-win time for for either to stay alive. Uh, Will Ospreay came out, and he did have a, a dedication for a Ryan Smile uh, written on his wrist tape, and the announcers did bring attention to this uh, coming off uh, his passing earlier this week. It's an insane start by Osprey, going for the Space Flying Tiger Drop instantly, hitting it, followed by the Pip-Pip Cheerio, and then goes for the Stormbreaker, which Okada stops. Then Osprey tries for the OS Cutter, and it's caught with the money clip, and then turns into a draping DDT delivered to Osprey. This is all in two minutes.
1: It's, I think, what you might expect out of the out of the gate for um a pairing of of, of these two who uh, have established like great chemistry and I think for Will Ospreay's like storyline of wanting to like really prove himself against the big brother uh it made sense.
0: Ospreay uh drop kicks Hokata off the turnbuckle to the floor um and Chris brings up that Will Ospreay's cockiness very reminiscent of Kenny Omega.
1: Mhm yeah. Pointing out, like, perhaps the idea that Osprey might be studying the, the Omega-Okada matches to, to give him an edge here.
0: Mm-hmm. Not saying, like, it means anything, but it, it was just interesting to see, like, his name used here. And this being, uh, we saw Jeff Cobb use, like, Wrath the other day. Like, we had two hmm. very clear Kenny Omega references. One direct here. What uh, you we'll, I'm not saying anything. In fact, I don't believe, like, the English commentary is, uh... Like, I think they're really just out there, and I I don't, like, read into things like that, especially on the English commentary side, but Mm -hmm. interesting nonetheless that it was brought up. Osprey does a somersault dive over the corner, uh, which looked amazing, and then he pointed to the sky for uh, Ryan smile. Um, Again, brought up. This was a pretty spectacular dive.
1: Very much so, yeah.
0: Very fast sequence here. There's a standing shooting star, but Okada gets the knees up, and then Okada goes for his drop kick and gets caught in midair with a sit-out power bomb. That was amazing. Then the hidden blade gets ducked and Okada holds on to the wrist. The Stormbreaker gets countered with a short arm uh, Rainmaker, and both men are on their backs with Okada still clinging to the wrist of Osprey. And He hits him with the tombstone, applies the money clip, Will gets out, and you hear him saying, I am just as good. And Will gets out, and with that, eats a shotgun dropkick. There's a spinning rainmaker attempt that's countered with a one-man standing Spanish fly by Osprey, poison rana and then he hits the os cutter and doesn't let go he holds on to the neck and he's going for the stormbreaker again okada goes to the money clip it's another series of counters spinning rainmaker and then once again he reapplies the money clip when all of a sudden b Priestley appears ringside rooting on osprey okada Hits another tombstone, applies the money clip for the five thousandth time in the match, and this time B directly gets into the ring, distracting referee Marty Asami, and that provides the distraction for the returning great Okarn. Tomoyuki Oka is back and attacks Okada with a a claw into a choke slam with his taped up right hand and Provides the opening for Osprey to hit the Stormbreaker and pin his Chaos leader in 17 minutes, four seconds. And afterward, Osprey and Oka, they exchange looks and Osprey proceeds to lay out Okada with the hidden blade and tells Okada, fuck you. You've been holding me back for, it's been a long time coming and Okada has to be helped back. So a lot happened here. Um, but way your your thoughts first of all on the match, including the finish.
1: I thought the match itself was fantastic, as you would expect from these two. Um, Osprey's like really like spectacular offense is is a really nice contrast to Okada's like pretty typical like pretty slow pacing uh, uh typically at the start, start of this matches, and then once they really got into it, you had some very intense striking exchanges. Uh, I thought this you know the story and sense of like this being little brother trying to prove himself to big brother was really strong in the match. Osprey screaming, you know, I'm just as good. I think really, you know, hit that note hard. And I also appreciated like Osprey's lack of like, ah, 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 overselling this time around, uh, very clever, breathtaking, well-executed counter sequences to each other's moves. Um, people are going to perhaps be upset at the lack of clean finish at the end here. But listen, some matches are done to grab star ratings, Others are done to tell stories and introduce characters. And they had the best possible match they could have in the time they were given. But ultimately, the purpose of this match was done for story. Introducing B Priestley. Uh, reintroducing Tomoyuki Oka. And, of course, solidifying Will Ospreay's complete heel turn that he's been building up to this entire tournament. Uh, as far as, you know, the intent there goes, I thought this was successful. I thought it was clever how, like, you created a scenario that allowed Osprey to play babyface against okada in this match um it kind of like you know made you wonder hmm like has the heel character he's been trying to build this entire time was it just a phase and that by the end of this match would he just kind of like you know uh embrace okada uh to to be the will of old and you know it's 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 a harmonious chaos kind of like you know um a brotherly rivalry type of thing but they went the other direction and instead it was you know made for this pretty like full on unexpected heel turn and um i thought all that was successful if i do have like you know criticism about that i think what's valid is that new japan seems to really book their heel interferences in about as like the least creative way possible like the actions of these heels are about as straightforward as can be you know they're usually just like hey referee look at me and then the other dude just like is allowed to do anything he wants you know to oh, there to the there guy. was a brutal one in the
0: main event oh, yeah so, and it's yeah it's also just the the quantity of them that i think it like if you know that this is going to be th- this was the biggest angle of the G1 that we've seen so far that i i think that having such a reliance on this in with so many different characters in this G1 that there is going to be that that natural kind of reaction that you had as opposed to, I'm not saying a clean slate of, of finishes throughout this G1, but I think there was such a, an abundance of them that, yes, a guy just coming in and doing just the stereotypical attack, lead to the finish, it is going to have some of that. But this is serving like a greater story for, for Osprey. Um, I, I didn't really have so much an issue with – uh, you know, the utilization here, how you got to the finish, it it builds to something. But I, I do question if you could have like it was one angle shot on top of the other. Like to me, it's like you almost teased that like Will was like surprised by Oka's reveal here, and then to do the layout of Okada on top of it. Uh it almost made the great O'Connor's return already secondary by the end because it's it's will's turn on okada that is the takeaway
1: here don't you feel like it's all wrapped up in the same thing though you know the fact that it was osprey fully turning heel um, initially i guess with the introduction of the two new characters in in Okarn and b Priestley, but then really just kind of like i don't know solidifying it like i guess
0: my question would be was oka necessary then for for
1: this um to help him get the win yeah and then, I mean, you, you know, the assumption is that he's creating a new stable out of out of everything. So... Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: so this officially eliminates Okada, and Osprey was already out of it based on the earlier uh, result. So uh, we are down to Kota Ibushi or Jay White. One of them will be advancing. All Jay White has to do is win his final match, and he advances to the final. Taichi versus Kota Ibushi... Abushi with 12 points and Taichi with eight. they start off where they are having this long stare from their respective corners. and then they started the leg kicks. Neither is registering these kicks, and then they would escalate in intensity, and they're starting to uh, reflect the impact. They take a pause, they'd resume the leg kick battle. Then we get some running boots back and forth. both men go down. Then we move on to the chest and they would kick the hell out of one another there and this is just nuts they both end up collapsing from these kicks so Taichi brutalizes him with several more then they trade head kicks and both go down they're limping they're still throwing leg kicks taichi tears off the pants and the intensity increases from both and then they slow down and it's like they're gassed from throwing all of these kicks there's one final kick that drops taichi abushi screams Goes for the Kamagoye, but before he can hit it, he gets swept by the leg. Then they resume their leg kicks on the feet. Chris Charlton is comparing this to the chop battle at the Tokyo Dome between Kenta Kobashi and Kensuke Sasaki 15 years ago. Abuji then blocks, hits a giant leg kick, fires up with a head kick, and then hits the match-ending Kamagoye in 17 minutes and 13 seconds. I thought this was like a total spectacle that i really liked i thought this i'm looking for especially late in the g1 breaking patterns and matches that carve out their own identity uh, this one i i thought got a 10 in that regard it might not be everyone's favorite match but i i enjoyed the hell out of this
1: i completely agree with you john i i will you know, while ranking all the matches, like, for this particular podcast, I, you know, I have to say it was extremely difficult for me to remember, like, most of them by heart. Like, most of these combinations, I'm like, oh, I'm sh-, you know, that was good. But this one, uh, I'm sure it was good, but I can't really remember what exactly happened. This is a match I'll probably remember for years to come. Like, five years from now, you can probably ask me. You remember that, like, kicking match with the Bushi and tai Chi in the G1? And I'll absolutely say yes. You know, um you pointed it out like one of the biggest issues facing like the g1 towards the end is just the sameness of style of every match like heel or baby face, like striker or high flyer everybody kind of has their template and by the end of like these mat like 90 matches it's-, it's really difficult not to feel repetitive so a match like this i thought was number one really risky to attempt um and i really respect them taking the risk because like it paid off here like it was a match that was highly engrossing uh, part of the reason I think is because, like, we talk about how the Young Lion matches are like, they're so interesting to watch because they're kind of like, they're artists that are forced to work with like a very limited palette. And like, they're like musicians who can like only use three chords. In this match, like, these guys had to write a song with only one note. And it just really highlighted both men's ability to sell, to showcase fire, to showcase charisma. Um, I was so impressed with both Ibushi and Tai Chi in this one. So. I went really close to, like, full marks for this. Maybe wow. not just, like, you know, for, like, I don't know, for any conventional reason, but mainly because I I will remember this match out of the, the entire tournament, more so than some of my other other ones that I, I think I would have considered favorites. So um, I went XL, one cream, one sugar, and one sleeve.
0: I went, I went XL, one milk, one sugar. Uh, I, I love this match. I thought it was the match of the show. Um, and you know, you can look at uh, the Osaka match last week that Tai Chi was involved in, uh, with Will Ospreay that a lot of people liked, but I, I thought this was much better. And I would make the argument, like when I think of Tai Chi, uh, this is probably the best match I've ever seen Tai Chi in.
1: Uh, yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I
0: think it, to your point, I think people will remember this match. It's going to be the leg kick match that they did for 17 minutes and set themselves apart. Like, I think this will certainly be and serves a story, too, in that uh, when we get to the block winner, how it's going to affect Kota Bushi on Sunday.
1: Completely. Yeah. Chris Charlton brought that up, whether or not it was like wise strategy for Kota Bushi to engage in a type of match like this, knowing that he might have to wrestle again. On uh, on this on the Sunday, I would be extremely disappointed if he didn't sell like the leg, you know, as a as an injury coming in.
0: And uh, correction from earlier: so Osprey was alive prior to this match. It's this result that officially eliminates Osprey. So uh, Kodobushi is alive, and it's contingent though on Jay White either losing or going to a draw with Ishii in the main event. Jay White, if he gets this win, he advances. So. That is our final match of the night uh, with Jay White at 12 points and Ishii with six, looking for eight points to finish off. Uh, a hell of a G1 uh, for Ishii. White is mocking him early on. He's slapping his head, asking, is anyone in there? They fought on the floor. Ishii gets run into the guardrail, and it's White with a DDT as Ishii favors his neck. But then White would shift focus to the taped-up right knee, and this became his attack. His target for the entire match, uh, Charlton conveyed the story of when Ishi was coming up, and he would have to take a five-hour subway ride with Tenru, and he would stand <laughs> for the entire ride because Tenru was his superior, and he was not worthy of sitting on the subway. This is a man with incredible uh, internal strength.
1: Uh, standing on the subway. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you always give your uh, seat up to, to the seniors. That's, that's what I've always been taught on the subway. So how did, how did Chris Charlton get that information? Or sorry, was that Rocky?
0: Uh, that, no, it was Chris Charlton yeah. who shared the story. I wonder how he got Man that it, story. Wow. Tomohiro Ishii should have gone on Survivor. That challenge where he's got to stand and outlast everybody. This guy would it, five hours. No one, no one's touching that. That's,
1: yeah, that's quite the endurance challenge, yeah.
0: Ishii stops the attack on his knee with a German into the corner, and then Ghetto holds on to Jay to avoid a deadlift from the apron, Uh, and this leads to Jay with a dragon screw through the ropes. Ishii would rebound, but as he went for the Inseguri, Jay goes right back to the knee. Of course, he's always got the counters, and it's focusing all on the knee. He removes the, the knee wrap and then applies the TTO, The Tanahashi tap out, but Chris says that it's not going to be the Ishii tap out. It would have to be the IPO because the only way is for Ishii to pass out. And what it ended up being way was the IRB because we got a rope break.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, maybe maybe that one not as uh, marketable.
0: Jay hit a Kiwi Crusher, but then the Blade Runner is blocked with Ishii hitting a dragon screw. And then he lifts up Jay for his own Kiwi Crusher, but drops him onto the injured knee, which certainly you would question Ishii's logic in in that particular maneuver. So now it's Ishii attacking Jay White's knee. He uses a knee bar, and then White grabs Red Shoes as Ghetto enters, allowing Ishii to let go of the submission to focus on Ghetto, White then shoves Ishii into Red Shoes, so Red Shoes goes down. Ishii takes out Ghetto, and White stops a brain buster, and White gets shoved into Ghetto. Then there's a low blow by Jay White, and they're zoomed in on him. And you're asking, where the fuck is Red Shoes? And they explain Ghetto had grabbed his foot, and Red Shoes has turned his back and missed this low blow. I was just... This was just overkill Mm -hmm. at this point. Ishii takes a pair of sleeper suplexes, Blade Runner and Brain Busters get countered. White then turns it into an uh, an inverted DDT coming down. It didn't look great. And then Ishii attacks Ghetto, who re-enters for the 5 millionth time. Ishii fires up, finally hits Jay White with the Brain Buster, and he wins in 24 minutes and 36 seconds. Uh, I would classify this, this was a Tier 2 Ishii match in the G1. This was not among his classics that he's had.
1: I, I thought his selling was absolutely incredible. Um, Like not just him selling the offense of Jay White, but him also selling his knee anytime he executed his own offense on that injured knee towards the end. It was um to me like worth watching for that alone. And the rest of it, you know, really depends on your tolerance of, of all the bullet club cheating stuff. And uh, even for me, somebody who's, you know, pretty got pretty high tolerance for all that stuff. Yeah, I was it was definitely wearing thin with how I think lazy it was. Like it, it's not just the fact that he cheated, but like the fact that the, the there's no cleverness in much of the cheating at all and and just like the referee just has to look so really so bad. Um so that definitely like took it down a big notch, but I I mean, I think we have elevated stakes here, especially like at the end of the G1 that to me makes up for a lot of it. So I I I found myself like pretty thoroughly engaged. And I was definitely surprised by the, by the finish.
0: I still went XL on this. I still thought it was like a, a really strong match, but uh, it would not be in my upper tier of, uh, of G1 matches. And I would put it as uh, number three of the day behind uh, Okada Osprey and Abushi and Taichi. But it confirms uh, Jay White is out and Kota Abushi advances to the finals on yeah. Sunday
1: yeah it does yeah to me like i was really surprised by this because um i thought for sure jay was probably going to take it just for that final post-match celebration the fact that they had obushi essentially kind of like backdoor his way into it um without even a closing address from anybody on the show to me was like rather surprising and i actually really like it like it's a finish that allows you to you know make future g1s that much more uh unpredictable like You can't necessarily just look at a card and say, hey, this person's very likely to win. Um, So I like the result, you know? Um, Yeah, I went XL1 cream.
0: Ishii just dumped like the water and ice all over him and just limped to the back. Like, my job is done, and he left. Ghetto is furious. Jay White is looking super upset. And he gets assisted to the back by Ghetto. And then backstage, Jay White... Insists he can stand despite the injury, so he throws the chairs away. He said, I am King Switch. I sold out Madison Square Garden by myself, not the A-block winner. And he thinks that this is an organized plan against him. And he says, good luck if evil can do something that I could not. But watch out for those refs. And he told everyone, remember who I am. And I don't know what's going to happen, but I I feel we're getting some big angle with Jay White, if not on Sunday, in the near future. Like, they have been certainly hinting at, like, this infighting with the Bullet Club. I can see Jay White having some presence on on Sunday's show in in some form or fashion with with some kind of angle.
1: It's been one of the long-running themes across the G1, and in fact, like, maybe the only storyline that's taken place across both blocks together. So for it to culminate um, either Saturday or Sunday, perhaps more likely on Sunday... I I think would make a whole lot of sense. Um, yeah, Bullet Club infighting is something that is kind of I don't know expected at this point. And with two leaders, two alpha males, and Jay White and Evil, like something's definitely bound to come to a head. So we'll see what happens there. We'll see like you know what fur- follow up we might have with with Will Osprey on on Sunday as well.
0: So the final standings in the A block: Coda wins the block with fourteen points. Osprey, White, and Okada finish with twelve. Taichi, Jeff Cobb, Tomohiro Ishii, Shingo Takagi with eight. Minoru Suzuki, six. And Yujiro Takahashi, two points. Right in the basement. Looking ahead to the B-Block final on Saturday. It's a 4 a.m. Eastern start from Sumo Hall. Uh, It's Yuya Uemura against Gabriel Kidd. So if Kidd wins, he will tie Uemura. So at worst, Uemura ties for second. Yoshihashi versus Toriyano. Hiroki Goto versus Juice Robinson, Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Zack Sabre Jr., Kenta versus Tetsuya Naito, and Sonata versus Evil. So the big three are Evil, Naito, and Sonata, although it's been explained that there is, much like Osprey, a double tiebreaker scenario where Zack Sabre Jr. could actually end up advancing, but it's also one of those hanging by a thread scenarios where a lot
1: would have to happen. Is that right? Okay, so he could still have a chance to advance beyond... um,
0: Because if it came down to all four of them were tied at the end of tomorrow, which would require Zack to win, Naito to lose, and Sonata to win, then among those four, I guess it works out because Zack has a win over... uh, He has a win over Sonata and Evil. So in that way... I'd have to look at it. But yeah, there is technically a way Zach does he have a win over Sonata? Uh, Let me double check here. He's got the win against. Sorry, he's he beat Evil, but he lost to Sonata and he lost to Naito. It was a. I I would have to look at the exact way, but. Okay. It seems to be Saber may have a way to advance.
1: It's probably not happening
0: either way. It's not happening. No. Anyway, the big ones here. Uh, if Evil wins, he advances. All he has to do is beat uh, is beat Sonata, and he advances uh, with 14 points. Uh, if Evil and Sonata went to a draw, and Naito loses or draws with Kenta, then Evil advances. For Naito to win, he needs to beat Kenta, and Sonata needs to beat Evil. Or Naito beats Kenta, and Sonata and Evil go to a draw. For Sonata to win, Sonata beats Evil and Naito loses to Kenta, uh, which is very possible. I'm, that was my prediction uh, the other day, so I'm sticking with it that Sonata is going to end up winning this block. But I would say uh, I could also see a naito Ibushi final uh, as well, but
1: I'm leaning Sonata. A naito Ibushi final? Yeah. Um, uh, Evil versus Obushi? Is that possible?
0: I don't see it happening. I don't see evil winning the block.
1: I think I'm going to stick with Sonata as well.
0: Well, you should, you have, you have your points attached to this. So Mm -hmm. so vote with, vote vote with your heart here. Um, So that is the B block. Uh, Do we want to go to our updated standings way?
1: Yes, we should. Yeah, of course, uh, only one show left in the G one contest before we might, I guess if we rely on tiebreakers, uh, we'll have to result, deal with the uh, results from Sunday as well. But If we don't, uh, it might all come down to tomorrow. But as far as today's results go, uh, I would say a couple upsets on today's show. Uh, But we start off from the bottom of the card, or at least uh, what was originally listed as the card, as 70% of you accurately predicted that Shingo Takagi would beat Minoru Suzuki. 79% of you accurately predicted that Kota Ibushi would beat Taichi. Only 24% of you predicted that Yujiro would beat jeff cobb so that is by far the biggest upset of the day and 42 percent of you predicted that will osprey would beat kazuchika okada which you know despite like it being i would say an upset i think in story like many people predicted that osprey would beat him on this night and then 37 percent of you predicted that jay or tomohiro Ishii would beat jay white so um Not many people with perfect cards in this one. So a lot of people may be coming up from behind uh, on the second last day. And among them, five out of five, Chris Alexander, Jesse, uh, Montréal, congratulations to Jesse, Kishin, Mondo Curry, Tom G, Cookie, Jose Esquire, Matt, and the Great Griffin. And we'll see if that changes the overall standings. Matt. Or oh, sorry. uh, 63 points at the very top, all by he, him, or herself, is Sa S-A sira sitting atop at 63. But right behind Sa is a three-way tie for second place between Aiden MC, C Araho, and MC Squared. Right behind them, in a four-way tie for third, is Bethany, Joshua M. Wallace, Timothy Lee, and Tom G, sitting at 61 points. So... One card to go. Um, I imagine it's, it's probably still quite open between those several people, so uh, we shall see what happens. In the C block standings, starting from the bottom here, we have a tie between Vivian Murray and Randobot2000 sitting at 45 points each. While uh, I think they are technically eliminated from winning the block, I really still am hoping for Vivian to beat Randobot. Let's get Randobot at the very bottom. Everybody I think that's that would be quite the, the storyline here above them is Benno sitting at 48 points. We have WH Park above them sitting at 50 points. And then we have a four way tie for second place. Wow. Between waiting. I got a four out of five today. Mark Buckle Davy Davey Portman and Brad the Archivist who has been leading this thing pretty much the entire time but today only had a one out of five card. So that means we have a brand new leader with one card left and that is Mike Murray who also did 4 out of 5 today. He sits at 52 points. So wow, dramatic uh tight race at the top right now.
0: Damn. Wow, that's incredible. The 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 most heated race this entire season. It's it's RC block.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So uh again, thank you to Chris Chris Angler for uh tabulating all these all week he will actually be joining us on the Sunday show to uh announce the full winner if we do have one. Yeah, we we should have one by then. So, yeah, tune in tune in for that.
0: Do we have a formula to go into any tiebreaker scenario?
1: Well, you know what? He actually Chris actually like at least for this this uh post wrestling C block, he actually lined out scenarios uh, of everybody's chances going in. So, uh <laughs> you can find the thread and he like uh the man is just a wizard. So, he uh he actually lined out like who is more likely to win so you can find that in the form
0: okay uh i'm doing corrections on the fly here so the the saber scenario i think was like uh incorrectly done because it was under the impression he had beaten sonata but it was actually sonata that beat saber so yeah i don't think there's a scenario zach can uh win this even if uh there was some tiebreaker tomorrow so it's down to the three in the b block okay cool so there you go. Uh, we'll be back on Saturday. Hey, our top oh. 10. Our top 10 matches. Uh, I was just going to say we'll be back tomorrow. But first, it's our top 10 matches. Uh, why don't I go first way and then you can uh, go through your top 10, okay? Sure. We can. Well, I'll start at 10 and, uh, and go up in ascending order. So number 10 was Will Ospreay versus Shingo Takagi from day five on September 27th. Number nine was the match we just saw a few days ago in the B-Block. Sonata defeating Hiroshi Tanahashi on October 14th. Number eight was all the way back on day two, September 20th. Tetsuya Naito versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Number seven, Will Ospreay versus Tomohiro Ishii from day three on September 23rd. Then number six, Kota Ibushi versus Taichi from today. It cracked my top 10. It was nearly in my top 5. Number 5 was Kazuchika Okada against Shingo Takagi. I really loved that match from October the 10th. Number 4, Minoru Suzuki versus Tomohiro Ishii from the very first night on September 19th. Number 3, Shingo Takagi versus Kota Ibushi from October the 7th. Number 2, Kota Ibushi versus Minoru Suzuki from October the 10th. And my number 1 match of the G1 Kota Ibushi versus Tomohiro Ishi from September twenty seventh. So, while I would have to look at all my rankings here, if I'm just going by my top ten, um, it's a hell of a ca- like. I've got Kota abushi in my top three matches.
1: Yeah, I know. um It's you know, it's a question of like whether or not you value like those amazing like big performances, or if you value consistency.
0: That's what I'm saying. I think if I looked at like my top twenty, like Ishi is it if I included my top 15, then there's three more Ishii matches.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, um, well, maybe the difference maker will be, like, do you include the final match? Yeah, I think you include the finals. I mean, it's sort of an extra advantage, right, that the finalist has because he has one more match to prove himself. But, yeah, I feel like Abushi has, like, you know, an XL plus match on Sunday. Would he clinch your MVP status?
0: he might i'd have to look at it but i i would say going into this uh these final two shows yeah it's uh ishii and abushi maybe, maybe ishii's gonna have like the world's greatest uh six-man
1: tag on sunday see i don't know if that counts because it's a
0: non-tournament match
1: yeah that it's might also be six man but okay my top 10 from the bottom i've got and let me just kind of preface this by saying like at this point it's like take your pick of like you know especially when it comes to like five to ten like Any of these can be interchangeable. I barely honestly remember some of these by the end. So it's just like almost a random assortment. They're all good matches. If you want to seek them out, go ahead. Number 10, Wool Osprey versus Tomohiro Ishii from day number three. Number nine, Kazuchika Okada versus Tomohiro Ishii from day 15. At number eight, Shingo Takagi versus Wool Osprey from day five. Number seven, Shingo Takagi versus Kazuchika Okada from day 13. Number six, Kota Ibushi versus Shingo Takagi from day 11. Actually, Shingo making a lot of appearances here too. Uh, number five, Tetsuya Naito versus Hiroshi Tanahashi from day number two. That was the near-time limit draw. At number four, I had Minoru Suzuki versus Tomohiro Ishii all the way from day number one. Uh, that one was absolutely stellar just for like a great, stiff, striking, you know, war of attrition type of match. At number three, I have your number one, John, Tomohiro Ishii versus Kota Ibushi from day, day number five. Uh, you know, for much of the, much of the tournament, sort of my, my leading candidate for uh, favorite match. At number two, from today, Kota Ibushi versus Taiichi, the kicking match. Again, it's a match that I'll I'll remember for a long time to come. And while it might not be like at sort of like the pinnacle of like emotion or drama, like... It's a match I really respected both participants for executing and executing so well. So that match I highly recommend. At number one, I have Kodo Ibushi versus Minoru Suzuki from day number thirteen as my favorite match of this G1. Just um, you know um, uh, 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 an excellent, excellent display of Minoru Suzuki and everything that he he does so well, and a uh, great selling from Kodo Bushi and just a wonderful combination of like two of my favorites uh, currently. So yeah uh, just a great a great list of of matches for you to check out
0: yeah and we encourage anyone out there to post your top 10 uh whether it be on twitter or on the forum in any of these threads we'd love to hear other people's uh thoughts on the top matches of the tournament and tournament mvp as well that i'm sure uh it's a wide open discussion uh with two more days to go so Way and I are back uh, late tonight with Rewind to Smackdown. We'll be going live at ten fifteen p.m. Eastern time for all members of the Post Wrestling Cafe. You can tune in right after Smackdown. We'll have a rundown of that show, go through today's news, and we will open up the phone lines. Then we've got a cafe show Saturday afternoon, recapping the B Block final, and then another cafe show Sunday to wrap it all up with the final. So we hope you join us for all of those shows. Uh, a lot of great stuff coming up all weekend long.
1: Yeah, if you're listening to this on the free feed and you want to jump in for the final weekend, postwrestlingcafe.com, you have access to all the prior G1 shows, uh, all of our shows from the beginning of time on the Post Wrestling Cafe, and uh, it'll get you set right up for the weekend's finals.
0: All right, that's it for us. We'll chat with you in a few hours.